0: Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Mm -hmm. Series. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services with the Braille Institute. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. This evening's presentation will be on sleep disorders um, as Dr. Bill presents. Welcome, Dr. Bill.
1: Oh, thank you very, very much. And when you tell people, oh, my child doesn't sleep well... People don't really take that very, very seriously. In other words, they don't realize how difficult it is if your child does not sleep well. And many times you might go to your pediatrician and the pediatrician will say, Oh, well, you know what? It's because of his vision. That's why he's not sleeping well. Or you might ask them if there's any types of therapy that they can undergo to teach them how to get into a sleep cycle. And many doctors will just say, "No, nah, I don't think you need to get through that. If it gets worse, we'll do it. But you really do need it now. You do need it now. And if your child is not sleeping well, it's going to be just like when you don't sleep well. Your child is not going to be in a good behavior. Your child's going to be maybe fussy. Or your child's going to be so tired that when they are trying to learn something at school or in therapy they do not work well and it's almost a waste of a session because a child is so tired the child is not doing anything and we also know that when a child is tired A child is very difficult to be with. Mommy and Daddy try to carry the baby, and maybe the baby doesn't want to be carried because the baby is just so tired. So we really want to concentrate and work very, very hard on the sleep. Now, here, here is what we do know about blindness and sleep problems also called insomnia but it is not normal that just because a child has a vision problem that they do not sleep in other words when we look at all the children who have vision problems And we then go and measure how does each of them sleep. We find that many of them sleep very well. And we also find that there's a lot of them, a lot of them, who do not sleep. They do not have the ability to sleep very well. Now, we do know that if a child is totally blind or an adult is totally blind, like me, I had a lot of sleep problems after I went totally blind. And when your child is a child that does not have both eyes or your child is not able to see very much because of stage 5 retinopathy of prematurity or optic nerve hypoplasia, that severe loss of vision, it does affect sleep. And the reason that it affects sleep is that we know that the light that's in the environment, the light from the sun during the daytime, the light that comes through the windows during the daytime, that amount of light that comes in and enters the eye, it sends signals to different parts of the brain and those types of electrical signals from the light they do help different areas of the brain to develop so if a child is totally blind and the brain is not receiving that type of stimulation it could affect the way that hormones are developed And this is going to also affect the development of a, of a sleep pattern. We really want the child to develop a type of sleep pattern. So it's, it is very, very, very important that we help children to develop as much of a sleep pattern as possible. And even when a baby is very, very young or maybe the baby is in the NICU, we want to try to create that particular type of pattern. We want there to be a pattern of light where there's a lot of light to stimulate not only the eyes, but it's going to stimulate the skin. You know, like all of us, We could close our eyes, and when you go outside, you could feel the sun shining on you, even if it's in the dead of winter, you could feel the sunshine shining on you. And even when you're inside the home, you could feel, you could feel the difference. When the lights from the ceiling lights in your kitchen or your dining area are shining on you as compared to if there is no light and it's totally dark. So we want you to first of all make certain that throughout the day when it's the daylight hours we want your child to be exposed to as much light as possible. And then when it's night time and when it is time to be going to sleep we do not want a lot of light. It's okay if you have a very, very small night light. You could see some of these night lights you buy at the store and the bulb is a very, very tiny bulb. But while the child is trying to sleep We do not want the lights in the bedroom to be on. Another reason that we need to keep presenting this cycle of light and dark is that the light also is going to stimulate other types of hormones. And so for example, If a child does not receive enough light it will put them in a bad mood. And even adults adults who have perfect vision if you do not receive enough light it will make you in a very bad mood. It could even make you depressed. And in certain parts of the world during the winter when it gets dark earlier it may get dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and when there's not as much light around it could cause a syndrome called seasonal affective depression And it's where adults and children will become very, very depressed. And they need to see a psychiatrist who will prescribe medications to help them to get their hormones into a better balance so that they're not depressed. And I don't know if any of you have ever truly been clinically depressed before I never really took depression real seriously <clears throat> when I was a kid and in college and you'd hear about people who were going through depression but to me I just thought ah they're just you know feeling a little down right now they'll be okay But oh my goodness, when you meet people who truly have seasonal affective depression from not having enough light, or people who are clinically depressed for other types of reasons, oh, it is so overwhelming. When people have true depression, they are disabled. Cannot do things on their own they can't do anything even for them to get into the shower it is so difficult for them that many of them they can't do it themselves many of them can't select the clothes to wear themselves they cannot make their own meals anymore then what has happened? Why can't this person do anything? And it's almost to the point like the brain has been shut off. person can't do anything. So we need the light to prevent the person from getting into that level of depression. And we also need people to be able to sleep. Because if you do not get into these sleep cycles, it can lead to that type of depression. And the reason I tell you about this is that I know from personal experience with some of my family members, two people who are related to me did develop depression And when I went to go visit and just to see how they're doing, I could not believe how much it impacted that person. The person was not able to do anything. Couldn't drive a car. Couldn't go walking around the block. Couldn't prepare his own meals. Couldn't figure out clothes. Couldn't do anything. So... This is why I'm saying we need to make certain that these people get sleep. In my relative's case, the sleep problems developed when my friend and my relative got a job and was working the night crew and there's working night crew at the grocery store. So what they do is they go into work at 10 o'clock at night, and they stock all the shelves, you know, when there's not too many customers in there. So they work from 10 o'clock till 7 in the morning. They get off work. And they would tell me that When they get off of work, as soon as they go outside and they see the bright sun, they feel invigorated. They feel like, oh, my God, it's a new day. It's beautiful out. Hey, you guys, why don't we go? You guys want to go to Denny's and get some breakfast? Okay, let's go. They go to Denny's and they start off with a couple of cups of nice hot coffee. They have their pancakes and eggs. And after drinking that coffee and eating those eggs, they feel like they have all this energy. Hey, you guys, you, you guys want to go do something now? Yeah, why don't we go surfing? So they go to the beach and they go surfing for a few hours. Then they lay out on the beach for a little bit. They might fall asleep for an hour, half an hour. Then they wake each other up. Hey, let's go to the snack bar, man. Let's get something to drink. Get a couple of Coca-Cola's or whatever. More caffeine for them. All right, let's get home. Three o'clock, they're driving home. Three o'clock at home, they take a shower and the shower wakes them up again. And then they try to fall asleep a little bit. They might sleep for an hour then their alarm clock goes off. Oh, gotta get ready to go to work. Gotta have dinner. And that becomes their, their, their clock. Their cycle. And so when they're out of that cycle, it's very hard for them just to have a regular day. And what happens with a lot of these people who work these kind of night cruise shifts, they do it four times a week. So on the days that they don't work, they have a regular cycle. And they get all fouled up. They can't sleep when it's regular sleep time. And they then begin to go to foods and medications. And I think that we've all done that, too. There's times that we wake up in the morning we're just so tired. You're going to have a couple of uh, cups of coffee from Starbucks with the extra caffeine. And it does wake you up. Maybe for lunch. You're gonna go and have an iced coffee, you're gonna have a Diet Coke or something with caffeine, and it will wake you up. And after work, you might feel a little tired, but you say, you know what? I need to go work out. I'm gonna go do aerobics for a little while, lift a little weights. And as you're doing that type of physical work, it releases the adrenaline. That adrenaline rush in your body, it gives you energy, and you're stimulated, and you stay awake. So, it's very, very important for our kids that we remember we also have to put the right nutrients in them. So the first step is again, we got to create a day-night cycle for them. And then next, we need to create the proper foods that go into your child. And if you are nursing your child, if you have an infant and you're nursing, it's very, very, very important. That mom is going to eat the proper foods because so many foods that mom eats will then go into the breast milk and it's gonna affect that baby. So we do want to eliminate. Moms want to eliminate as much sugar as possible. Because if you are then breastfeeding, that means that this additional sugar is going into the baby and that is going to affect how a child sleeps. You've seen this with other kids that you have. You could go and give them an ice cream Sunday, and you give it to them at 8.30 at night and you tell them to go to bed at 9 o'clock and you wonder... Why are they running and bouncing off the walls and doing all these other things? The sugar in that ice cream sundae has really caused them to be overly active. Number two, you really are going to need to look at the packages of the foods you buy if you're breastfeeding. So many of the foods that you buy have so much sugar in it, but they don't list it as just sugar. It might say 4 milligrams of fructose, 6 milligrams of sucrose, 8 milligrams of galactose. It's going to name all of these different types of ingredients in there, but what you've got to remember is that anything that ends in o s e, so fructose, sucrose, glucose, all of those oses, you know what that really says? It's all sugar. So it might be a protein bar. You think, "Oh, this is healthy. Great." And there's so much sugar in there. So when you eat that protein bar, the true energy that you're getting from that protein bar, it isn't from the protein. It's actually from the sugar. And then you go to nurse your child, and your child is going to suddenly get a boost of sugar going to be so hyperactive. And then we also want mothers to limit or not drink caffeine at all. If you have a child who is having sleep problems and you're nursing because the caffeine that you drink will be in the breast milk and it is going to be something that's going to really impact the child The impact of caffeine is even stronger than the impact of sugar. But if you have something, say, well, it's really hot today. I think I'm going to have a nice iced Coca-Cola. Well, that's even worse because it has the sugars and it has the caffeine. And that is going to be something that can really, really affect the child and the child's sleep. Now, as adults, you may have noticed caffeine may not affect you as much as it used to. There may have been a time you could drink a half a cup of coffee and you're up all night, you're able to study. And later on, you could drink three cups of coffee and you're you're ready to go to sleep. It's because for the adult, the caffeine is something that the brain will learn to adapt to it so that you're not going to just be so hyperactive. But to your baby that caffeine and that sugar is going to be making them very, very active. Number four, got to look at those carbohydrates. And when people are going on diets and things, we always count our carbohydrates. So the reason that we try to limit You know, the amounts of breads and the pastas and all these different carbohydrates is that they do turn into sugars. So again, if mom is eating a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of breads, what have you, and you're nursing, uh, we are actually just boosting up that breast milk, and that is going to affect the child as well. So with this in mind, it is very, very helpful to find a pediatrician who specializes in sleep and understands nutrition so that they could help mom to eat the right foods, to know what not to buy or what is good. And in many cases, many cases... It's not always about eliminating, but a lot of times it's just adding. So we might not say, oh, you can never have, uh, you know, bread. But we might say, it would be really nice to add some green vegetables into your diet. Maybe you're going to make a little vegetable platter with some salsa dip, right? And that would be so tasty and so much better than to eat, you know, Lay's potato chips with a bunch of sour cream dip. And it could also be, it could also be that for some mothers, it may be easier if they just say I cannot change my diet I have to drink all of this you know coffee and, and, and sugars and that pediatrician might say mom I understand it's very difficult so at this time I want you to stop breastfeeding your child at these times of the day. And we're going to go to solid foods. So in other words, the doctor might say, I do not want you to be nursing your child before it's time to go to sleep because your breast milk has the the nutrients that are not going to allow the child to sleep very, very well at all. might sleep for an hour after you breastfeed but if we are going to give your child the foods that we want your child to have that do not have the sugar in these things we probably will notice that the child's going to sleep 3 to 4 hours straight which is a major thing for a lot of kids And you also have to remember, most infants, a full night's sleep, if we're saying they're sleeping the whole night, that's usually about five hours at the most. They don't sleep, you know, the eight hours like adults usually do. Now, as kids are awake during the day. We also have to remember that we want to burn their energy. we got to play games and, and activities that are going to really stimulate them and help them to burn calories. If they're learning to crawl, we want them to crawl as much as possible. If they're learning to walk, yes, we want to do a lot of games where they're going to be walking. We'll put them in areas that it'll be safe for them to walk on the flat surface of a lawn or what have you. But the point is, is that when we do things with a child or your child's therapists do activities or your child's teachers are doing these activities, all those activities and games, they really do take energy from the child. And we want that. We want your child to be exhausted because that is something that will help your child to sleep as well. If you don't have enough activity, whether it's brain activity by doing your checkbooks and your taxes or if you don't have enough activity where you're not walking and shopping and doing those things, you're not burning enough energy and you will notice you don't sleep as well. But if it's a day and you're helping your brother and sister-in-law move from one house to another and you're moving all of these big pieces of furniture and boxes and boxes of things, at the end of the day, you're exhausted. And that night... You go home, take a nice warm shower, and you're going to sleep very, very well. Now, there's other things that can also be recommended by the pediatrician. And again, I do recommend that you consult with a pediatrician who specializes in this type of sleep because we don't want to make our child dependent on drugs, You know, we don't want the child, okay, it's bedtime, here's your pill. Okay, it's time to wake up in the morning, here's a different pill to wake you up. I mean, that is not good. But there may be certain times and certain situations that children will have difficulty sleeping, and the pediatric sleep doctor will make a lot of holistic, natural recommendations could be very, very helpful. I know I have two kids, and my daughter would not sleep. She was just so hyperactive. And one of the things that really changed for her is that when my wife stopped breastfeeding, the doctor said, you know, she's old enough now that we can go to solid foods. And when she made the switch over to solid foods, it was amazing. She would eat that bowl of rice cereal and she would sleep through the night. It was just fantastic. So in that respect, I think it could have been that our daughter really was feeling hungry a lot of times that night while trying to sleep. And then our son happened to have really bad allergies in the springtime. And when it was allergy time, like it is now, this kid was waking up all the time throughout the night. And the doctor had then recommended a medication. And it was something that really worked very, very well. It not only helped him to breathe better, but it did put him into a calmer state. Because when he would wake up from the allergies, the allergies made him so irritable. He was so angry at it that, you know... You've had it when your child's so angry you could cannot really calm them down. And the last thing I want to comment before I open this up to you guys is we need to make an area that is designated for sleep. And I don't mean, you know, that this baby's crib where we also play a lot of games and we put a lot of stuffed animals and other toys in there. That needs to be a separate area. The playpen crib has to be totally different than the child's sleep area. And that sleep area, we want it to be in an area that it could be darkened, and we want it so that we have a lot of comfortable blankets or things that are going to be warming. I know that for a lot of kids, if you buy these blankets that are somewhat weighted, it seems as though a lot of kids like that added weight of that particular type of blanket. It might be helpful that you have a a little bit of of soft, slow music on. And you know, one thing that I actually did myself, because my daughter just couldn't sleep. She wouldn't sleep. So I would take her in my car. Late at night, My windows in my car were tinted, I put her in the back seat and we would drive and it it never failed, never failed. Within about 20 minutes she would be sleeping so deeply and so I did an experiment and I got a, a digital recorder. And I wanted to record the sound in the car, you know, the low roar sound of the engine and the sound of the wheels rolling on the pavement and all of this, it's it's low frequency sound. And that particular tape I then started using when we put her to bed. and she would fall asleep. <laughs> so it, it may be <clears throat> that certain types of music will definitely help your child sleep. But I I do not recommend that you put on your child's favorite, you know, dance song or something like that when it's time to go to sleep. Um so let's go around and if any of you have any other suggestions of things that you have done, okay, and Diane, Diane will be able to help you find a doctor who specializes in sleep. So if you guys want to email Diane, Dr. Christian, what is your email? Do you mind giving it out?
0: Oh, not at all. It's, um, it's going to be my name and it's going to be Diane L. Christian. So it's d-i-a-n-e-l-c-h-r-i-s-p-i-a-n at Gmail dot com. So Diane L Christian at gmail dot com.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um yeah, we can go ahead and see if we can find a pediatric um or pediatrician that does you know due I'd be happy to help with that,
1: yeah. Ah, thank you. Mm -hmm. And just to tell you, I have also had families who were Asian. These are people from Asia, and they have told me that they went to acupuncturists, and the acupuncturists would create different types of herbs that the child would take a, a warm bath in, and then they would actually uh burn these herbs in the air of the room of the child, and they said that that worked for them. So there may be other things that I, I'm not, you know, fully in depth aware of that could work too. But do any of you have any comments, things you'd like to share, or any questions? <clears throat> Hello? Um, yes, hi. Oh,
0: go Go ahead. <laughs> I'm Christine. I have a daughter named Kayla. She's fifteen. She has um and she's a autistic. What helps her um go to sleep sometimes is the routine that we do from five o'clock, like say dinner, um mm-hmm. dinner, five minutes piano, five minutes um bath time. She has to have a routine. So in her routine, when she got her routine down, so by 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock is bedtime, you know, and she would lay down there. This is if she's in a good mood. It depends on her mood. If she's in a good mood, she would sleep, like, around 9 o'clock, okay? Mm -hmm. In her bad mood, like, if her schedule in the morning, like, through the day got messed up, and then even though we finished the routine, she will not sleep, like constantly, even she will just lay down on her bed and not sleep. She'll be knocking, she'll be getting up and getting laying down, getting up and laying down. She'll be playing her piano, and then she'll go back up. Mm. She will not sleep until, like, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. The thing is, even though she sleeps, like, for 30 minutes or 10 minutes, she has the energy to to be awake the whole day. Really? That's like sleeping 10 minutes? Yeah, that's like she takes a nap. She takes a nap like 10, 15, 20 minutes. She has this energy to do like whatever. Like she'd be <laughs> going in a jumper and a piano. She'd be everywhere. She's, she's not going to sleep until it's time for a nap. Mama. Even though you leave her in the couch Mama. for a while, Mama. we thought that she'd be sleeping, but no, she's not sleeping. She's just laying down. Mommy. She's, um, microsomia, um, uh, microsomia, my, uh, microsomia. So she yeah. has prosthetics. Yeah, so you won't know if she's sleeping or not. But, um, she's just laying there. Mama. but when you call her name, she's wide awake. She's like, yeah, mama. <laughs> but she's like, just so, so she's, she'll tell you, I'm not sleeping. You know, I'm like, I'm <laughs> not sleeping. It's like, oh, okay, go to sleep. But she's not sleeping. She doesn't sleep. Hey, That's does my issue.
1: Does she have enough activities during the day? Like, would it be helpful after school if she had a aerobics class or a dance class that was physical?
0: Yeah, she has that. She has um a uh, uh, aid that comes to from from art uh, learning autism um, organization, and I have a respite that comes and play with her. So it's alternating. So every day she has someone from three to six. And then from six thirty, it's really my turn to feed them, clean them up and do whatever left choice that we have to do. But she's, she down. She sings. They play games. They tell stories. It's like, I mean, wow. we had to protect for her, for her behavior not to, to be active because usually, be, um, if she's not doing anything, she'll be yelling or, yeah. taking things and taking it around, you know? So, it's it's very, it's been a long journey. So now she's not throwing things, she's not kissing, she's not yelling, but, um, the only problem is her sleeping. And if I get out, like, I for her to sleep, I have to lay down beside her, but then you don't do nothing if lay lay down. You know, I can't lay down until 4 o'clock with her.
1: Oh, yeah. you
0: to right. the seat, You know? Because so I have, um, a little one too. I have a
1: three-year-old. <laughs> Is that yeah, who's in not. your arms right now?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: now, where do you live?
0: I live in Torrance, California.
1: Okay, and do you receive services from uh, any of any of us who are on the call right now?
0: No, uh, we used to go to Braille, uh, we used to get um, services from Braille Institute because my daughter went to. Flying Children's Center. Yeah, uh-huh. okay, and, uh huh. Yeah, okay, And, yeah, <clears throat> and she's from, from Southwest, and she gave me her flyer. Because uh-huh. we've been having issues and talked about her not sleeping well, cause when she doesn't sleep and she's, I'm wide awake, cause Kayla would, um get up in her room and go everywhere. Uh-huh. And then, you know, suddenly if you sleep, you're gonna hear doop 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 doop. And you cannot sleep in, in that condition. <laughs> So I'm wide awake while she's wide awake. So it's been a uh, conversation for the past months. <laughs> Do you think that
1: there's certain days that she actually needs a medication to put her to sleep? Um, this, would... is
0: her, her, this is her. her autism and her um, her medication Mom. that she's taking, and she Mom. also has seizures. So we didn't give her any medication for her to go to sleep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so her, her, she her, her seizure is very active. So. Okay. okay. She has a different kind of seizure. So, if you don't really pay attention to her, you don't know if she's having one, because sometimes she's just sitting and she's having one already. Oh. You know, she's having like, it yeah. has a fade out, or she's having the worst kind of seizure. So, okay. we don't keep, we don't, don't leave her out of our sight. Yeah. You know. So say. with the medication, we don't know what to give it and mm-hmm. how that will affect her brain. And... Well, so it you know, it, have...
1: there's, it sounds like you have discovered a, a good system for her. She really needs oh. good order. Um, and if there's any questions please. or anything that you need help with, please. if you contact uh, Diane L. Christian at Gmail mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Diane will get in touch with me and I'll get in touch with Karen Nutt of Braille. Uh, we'll, we'll help you to find anything that you feel you need, okay?
0: Yes, that'll be great. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Thank Bill you very much. Coming up on 830. So.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, if anybody else has any other questions, you could feel free to contact uh, Diane L. Christian at Gmail. And my email is Dr. Bill D. R. B. I. L. L. Foundation at Gmail. And Karen, you want to give your email?
0: Sure. My email is k m nut at brailleinstitute.org. dot org.
1: Great. Okay, and Karen, uh, what do we have next month? What are we going to be talking about?
0: Month we have. February is feeding concerned.
1: Oh boy, that's another good one.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, you all have a great evening. Thank you Dr. Bill for your thank time. You.
1: Thank you very much. Thank and you. thank you Dick for recording. Thank you everybody for yes, being thank on the you, call. Dick.